Bright Sounds, the voice of Bright World. Hello and welcome back. My name is Leah Ferris and welcome back to Bright Sounds, the voice of Bright World Guardianships. With the UK set to leave the EU on the 31st of December, a new immigration system will apply to all EU students hoping to study at a school in the UK and for those who are already enrolled here. Today, we are joined by Naomi Goldstein, Senior Manager at Bregerman, a leading legal firm dedicated exclusively to immigration services worldwide. Naomi recently gave a presentation to members of the boarding school's workshop and a follow-up Q&A session regarding the new framework and has kindly agreed to join us today to help explain the new immigration routes for EU students and when these will come into effect. To discuss this, we're joined by Corey Holden, Brightworld Admissions and Regional Manager. Hello, Corey. Hello, nice to be back. So, hi Naomi, thank you very much again for agreeing to join us. Um, it's a rather complex topic that we're discussing today, and I realise we probably won't have time to cover all the ins and outs of everything. Um, hopefully we can provide some general information for overseas parents, and we'll be following this up with an FAQ section on our website also. Um, so first of all, um, to kick us off, can you give us a brief outline of what has changed for EU students under the new system and when this will come into effect? Hi, Corey. Thanks so much again for having me this afternoon. I'm really, really happy to be here. Um, there, there's been a lot of information that's come out over the last three months, um, especially given the new immigration system that is now applicable to non-EU nationals. Um, but from the 1st of January will also be applicable to those that hold European passports. So I think the, the best way to look at it is on the, on the 5th of November, we had the, um, ish, the release of the new immigration system um, and for which used to be known as the tier four visa route for students is now known as the student or child student visa route. Um, to be honest, the, the requirements are very similar to what it was. Um, there haven't been significant changes in eligibility criteria for those that have always needed a visa to come to the UK. Uh, the biggest change is going to come from the 1st of January for those that hold a European passport um, who previously never needed any immigration permission to come to the UK as, as we had freedom of movement as we mm. currently do now up until the 31st of December. Um, but from the 1st of January, um, you would require a, a visa to come to the UK under the student or child student route um, if you wish to study long term here. So um, for any students that are currently or were formerly in the UK studying um, and haven't had a gap of longer than six months outside of the UK, um, they may still apply under something called the EU Settlement Scheme. So oh, yeah. this is a special scheme that you may have heard of. It was set up for Europeans that were have or are living in the UK um, and it will give them five years status here. And if they're eligible to um, after five years, you can apply for something called settled status. Um, so it's it's. This year has been pretty tricky. Um, many students did go home um, from March and um, 
didn't come back until September. Um, so if they had that full six month period outside of the UK, um, many weren't able to um, apply if they didn't return in September because they've had more than six months out of the UK. But if we've had, um, but some student, many students did come back um, and have since filed applications under the EU settlement scheme, uh, and of which have been able to secure pre-settled status. So it means they don't need to, to apply for any future immigration status for the next five years. Um, but for anybody, unfortunately, that hasn't or is unable to get back into the UK um, before uh, 11 p.m. on the 31st of December. Um, unfortunately, given this weekend's announcements um, as restricted travel to and from the UK for some European countries, yeah. it's going to make things a little bit more difficult. Um, but um, if, if there are intentions to come back to the UK before the end of the year, mm. then um, a European student should be eligible to apply. Great. And do you think that they might um, take that into account and make sort of exemptions for students that have been stranded at home as a result of um, where we are currently? Um, all being well, students would have been able to return as normal. There wouldn't have been this uh, need for them to stay at home. Um, I suppose we don't I know at this stage. We'll have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a really valid point, and I think many people are um, attempting to um, submit uh, an application on this basis at the moment. Mm. Um, it, you know, there, there have been many reassurances by uh, the government to say that people should will not be impacted by COVID. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, everybody's situation is is always looked at on their on its own merits. Um, but, um, you know, if, if people wish to try, uh, then we do know of um, some of our clients that have attempted to. Um, unfortunately, we don't have any outcomes as of yet because um, no. COVID, of course, is a very fluid situation. Yeah. Changes hourly, let alone daily. And um, but, um, you know, so, some of the families that we work, here, work with have decided to have a go at submitting an application for their child on the basis that they were previously studying in the UK for a couple of years and but for COVID would have would have returned. Yeah. Um, great. And does the um, is the application process different, I suppose, for students that um, are newly applying to attend a school here, um, as opposed to students that are already enrolled and are, are currently at the school, either distance learning from home or um, uh, are there in the boarding house? at this moment, I suppose. Um, I think for, um, if we're looking at say European students, um, for anybody that doesn't have um, status now under the EU settlement scheme or isn't eligible to apply, um, that is all through an app um, if they are able to apply. So it's very straightforward. Um, if they're going to have to go down the sponsored route, um, whereby the school will issue something called a certificate of application of studies, then they will have to, um, in theory, go through the visa process. For European nationals, it is a little bit of a trimmed down visa process. Um, it can all be done from home. Um, so originally it would have to be filed from outside of the UK, whereby uh, an online visa form is submitted. And then the student is required to download um, an app uh, which can okay. scan the biometric data from their chipped passport. 
Uh, they'll be able to have a selfie taken with their phone or an iPad, for example, or any other type of tablet and um, subsequently link the online visa form and that information together. And that means they won't actually physically have to go and attend a visa appointment at a visa centre in their country. They could, uh, everything will be done from home. And um, once it's all submitted online, uh, the processing time is around 15 working days. Um, but in some instances, priority processing is available. So that should be able to be processed a bit quicker. Great. And I'm sure that will come as a relief to a lot of parents because we know that there are uh, still quite a few local lockdowns that sort of phase in and out in quite a lot of the countries that our students are coming from, um, which would make attending visa appointments rather difficult as well. So um, the fact that they can apply online will simplify things, I think, quite a lot. Um, yes, um, definitely. And will this new framework, um, I suppose, will the new immigration status of EU students mean that they can no longer enrol at state boarding schools, which up until now, obviously, they have been um, in the same way that a, a UK national can? Um, that's a really good question, actually. And it, and it really will depend, um, as you rightly said, as to whether or not they are holding a child student visa. So if they need to be sponsored, it will have to be an independent boarding school. If the child is in the UK with their family or has secured um, EU um, pre-settled status or settled status, um, then they can attend a, a state boarding school. Um, it's just if they're going to need to be sponsored, unfortunately, yeah. it's going to have to fall under an independent boarding school. Okay. And with that, um, I suppose for students that might be considering a move from one state boarding school where maybe they've studied their GCSEs to a second state boarding school um, for their A-levels, is that something that they would be able to do? or as they'd have to apply for a new visa, um, it wouldn't be possible for them to just transfer across in that way. Uh, if, if they've got the pre-settled status, then yes, they should be able to attend a state boarding school. Um, it's only, again, if, if, they, if they're not eligible under the settlement scheme or they might be um, accompanied to the UK by a parent that's now on a working visa, so they, again, are, don't need to be sponsored directly by a school. Then again, if they've got their own independent status, they can attend um, a state boarding school. It's, it's just if it's, they need to be sponsored, they have to attend an independent boarding school. And then for um, a lot of EU students that consider coming to the UK, they tend to be quite short term. Um, they might attend mm. a school for one term or two terms to fit around their own studies at home. Um, mm -hmm. We currently have, a, with a lot of countries, um, the ability to travel there without needing a visa for a set period of time. Um, is that the case for short-term students coming to the UK or will everyone need a visa from now on? No, um, so there's, under UK immigration law, there are, there are two types of individual. You have your visa nationals, that no matter what status you are coming into the UK, you need to have a visa. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have our non-visa nationals that are required to come in, that are able to come into the UK for up to six months under some form of short-term status. And this is usually for tourism, short-term study, a business visitor, some form of medical treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, so for students, um, on the 1st of December this year, we had a, um, a modernization of our visitor category, which now for a standard visitor includes any trips into the UK for short-term study, business, holidays, etc. So if a student is enrolling at a school for up to um, a say a term for example um, then yes they can come in under the visitor status and they don't need to go through sponsorship Um, the visitor category is the the wording of (laughs) and the guidance associated with this category is drafted in a very quite vague way uh, to allow for some flexibility Um, so of course it does state that you can only come and study for up to six months Um, so as but however you can come to the UK for more than six months in any 12-month period however you must not intend to make the UK your main home um, either through just coming here and staying long term or through frequent short trips. Um, So what we usually advise our clients is that if you're intending to come to the UK for longer than a term, it's worthwhile getting the student visa. Um, If you're only thinking of coming for a term, going home with the possibility of returning again for a second term, then we will discuss the merits of the visitor visa at that point. Um, but um, if there really is a long-term intention at the beginning to come to the UK and study, yeah. then nine times out of ten, a, a school will probably insist on the on the child securing the student visa anyway. Okay. And what's the difference between um, a child student visa and a student visa? Because I think a lot of parents mm. will also have got quite used to the fact that if they're sending their child to the UK and this doesn't necessarily apply to EU students um, beforehand but uh, they've always talked about a tier four student visa Um, Mm. what are the new categories what's the new differentiation between a, a child student and a student visa Sure. So a student, a child student visa is for anyone that's coming into the UK to study um, from the ages of four to 17. So we often find even if a student's coming in to study A-levels, they mm-hmm. will secure their two year A-level v- visa under the child student route. Um, it doesn't matter if you turn 18 whilst holding this visa, you just have to be under 18 at the a time of applying. If you are a if you're if you are 18 at that time, then you will have to secure a student visa, uh, which is for those studying ages 18 and above um, and often studying post um, school education. So um, sort of under degree level um, or degree and above. And so will the child student visa in effect be replacing the tier four? child visa that um, parents have had to apply for up to now 
Yes, correct. Yes. So um, the tier, tier, tier four has now gone. Um, and um, we are, we're now in the age of the uh, re, re, redesigned student We've and child on. student visas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it's very difficult to get out of calling it tier four, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I know. We keep calling it tier four anyway, because we'll know what we mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For students that are coming then on a visitor visa, um, can they apply to change to a, a child student visa while they're in the UK or will they need to return home to submit a separate application before they can, they can come back? Yeah, unfortunately not. Um, a visitor category is one of the only categories in the UK for which you can't switch into a more long-term status. So therefore, um, they would, if they were here under a visitor status, they would need to go home and file from outside of the UK. Right. Well, that's always good to know. Um, and can you give us an idea of the fees that are then involved um, for a visitor visa and a, a child student visa and whether there's much difference from what parents would have expected to pay. Um, this will again be non-EU students who didn't obviously need a visa to start with. Um, but for those non-EU parents, um, are they looking at a, a similar fees or an increase or that sort of thing? Sure. So, so if you are a non-visa national, um, so and say European, American, Canadian, Australian, etc then you are able to come into the UK and in theory enter as a visitor without incurring any visa costs. Hmm. Um, it's always recommended, however, the child does have some form of private medical insurance uh, when they're traveling, um, but there's no actual um, visa fee that they have to pay. If you're applying for a visitor visa from overseas, um, it's, it's around 200 pounds, um, give or take, but there's no um, immigration health surcharge linked to that, which is our health visa levy um, that has to be paid for more long-term visas. Um, and then if we're looking at an out of, so a visa application filed from outside of the UK, if you are coming in under the student or child student route, that's £348 for the visa application. And then you have to pay £470 for every year of sponsorship on the um, CAS document issued by the school. Um, and then if they're going to apply in-country, there is a fee of £475 for the application. And then again, in addition, you have to pay the immigration health surcharge, which is £470 per year of study. Um, so the, the IHSV has, has recently gone up um, this autumn, um, mm. which significantly increases um, the visa fees, of course, if you are planning to, to study, for example, five years in the UK, yeah. um, as that really, that has to be paid at the beginning as you're, as you're applying for your visa. So um, it, it does in, increase things somewhat. Great. Um, and I suppose it, one thing I've always been curious of, um, for students that have private medical insurance, do they still have to pay the IHS fee if they can prove that they have this in place? Um, and won't be relying on the NHS for their medical care. Unfortunately, yes, it's it's a mandatory requirement under the yeah. visa category. Unfortunately, yeah. we can't get out of that one. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's been very helpful. Um, I suppose. Lastly, um, where can parents find more information? Are there um, readily available resources that parents can use um, out of country? I suppose. Um, 
to find out more before making an application or deciding on um, what route they want to take. Yep. So the home, the UK Home Office website, uh, it's called it's it's .gov.uk um, that has um, uh, really has been modernised recently and um, really guides you through the process very well. Um, but often the school in which you're applying to um, often has a um, will provide a really good. A visa guide as well. Um, many of the schools that we work with um, offer a really great hand-holding service to, to international families that are applying through the visa process. So it's always worth asking them as well for any literature that they have, uh, just in case they're able to provide that also. I mean, this is obviously such a complex situation. I mean, I myself, I have a tough time wrapping my head around it, uh, just me. So, I mean, it's great that we can offer as much help and advice as possible to our families as these changes come into play for the new year. Uh, Naomi, no, thank, you, <laughs> thank you so, so much for coming in and joining Corey and I today and explaining all of this to us and helping us understand it. I certainly understand more now, although I, I was starting at ground zero. So <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. It's a pleasure to, to be with you both this afternoon. Thank you. And from all of us here at Bright World to you and to all of our listeners today, we hope you have a happy holidays, a wonderful new year, and we hope to hear from you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Bright Sounds, a podcast from Bright World Guardianships. If you're interested in finding out more about anything we've discussed today, please visit our website www.brightworldguardianships.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter to find out more. Bright Sounds is available as a podcast on major podcast platforms or by subscribing directly to us on Podbean. Please look forward to more fascinating interviews and discussions with our Bright World team and expert guests. Take care and we'll hear from you at our next Bright Sounds podcast.